What's happening? This is 9-11 and you are tuned in to AVG Podcast. As always, you know how we do it. Let's get to it. So today I am very honored to have some of the direct lineage of a comedian, activist, a nutritionist, legend, but also an astute businessman and entrepreneur in his own right, Dr. Christian Gregory. How you doing tonight? How are you? Excellent, excellent, excellent. And I'm applauding you, my dear brother. I'm doing absolutely excellent. Thank you for having me on AVG. I know we've been trying to connect and make this happen. And Long time coming. Bit, yeah. But it's all divine. It all happens when it's supposed to. So yes, it's sir. an honor to join you here. And, you know, I spent a tremendous amount of time in Dallas these days. So just seeing your hats making a brother smile. <laughs> Look, I'm a Louisiana guy, but like my dad, he, he raised me on them Cowboys. So I'm a diehard fan. It just didn't happen with the move. <laughs> A good smart man smart man yes sir so how's everything been going like you say i know we've been trying to connect for a while how's life treating life is uh again thank you for asking uh, uh life is going incredibly well uh and you know that would at any stage or any point in my life if you ask me that i would have the exact same response because you know life is just such a blessing um it and, is. And, and we take for granted because we live here in a nation of you know uh, abundance and so uh, and i know that doesn't that doesn't it's not homogenized abundance that everyone gets it equally but there's still a lot relatively speaking yes as we're seeing all the pain and hurt all over the world um there's so many blessings to be grateful so i always accentuate the positive it's a true honor to join you on accomplished visualized goals and you know i'm all about you know visualization my dad dick gregory raised us on that and so you have to see it and manifest Man. it in order to achieve it so yes sir um, you know, this podcast uh, this podcast aligns beautifully with you know the, the 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 foundational pillars that i was raised on Avery. yes sir yeah i mean it embodies it when i was going through the information you sent me and just looking i was just looking at especially the documentary we'll get into it because we're going to start a little further back but it just embodies what I try to encompass. I always try to push forth, you know, a positive narrative with our people and show us in more of a positive light. We have so many platforms that tear each other down, you know. So I was like, hey, this is a lane here that I think needs to be tapped more into. Smart, smart. And I agree wholeheartedly. And it's bigger than just, now this is a movement. And with yes, all sir. movements, it's collective activity that helps us to scale. So everyone does their part, that ripple effect builds but positivity is contagious it feels good and you don't have a whole lot of folks dying over being positive so it helps to be the lens that we see life through one that's uh motivational towards others but most important motivational towards ourselves uh, because yes, it's hard for us to do good for others when we don't take good care of ourselves very true very true so we're gonna um we're gonna get into the interview a little bit and we're gonna like i said we're gonna kind of start back to the beginning uh Micro perspective, my dad, I think I mentioned to you the other night, he was a uh, well-known preacher around the town and he, uh, he did a lot for youth uh, ministry, um, coached and refereed his entire life until he just couldn't do it anymore. So me being his son, it was a little different moving around the city. Well, that's Reverend Dupont's son, you know, so I know at micro that pressure so i wanted to ask you macro when i said uh, son of a legend i know you guys can see the resemblance once i, I post this but <laughs> macro wise being the son of dick gregory what was that like growing up you know what uh, it's a great question avery and obviously it's not the first time 
than any of, you know, there's 10 of us Gregory children. Um, and so part of the strength was in such a strong nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the babies, I'm number eight. So I had a lot of little mini role models to look after um, seven sisters, which means I had eight mothers. So, um, um, you know, like a duckling, yeah. got along. So whether it was going to college or whatever else, I had seen so many people and more than what our parents kind of tell us, it's what we see. And so yeah, since I was so. able to see successful patterns, you know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. For me, that question, which is a great question, would probably be a little different from some of my older siblings, mm-hmm. but being one, so I'm number eight, my sister after me, Ayana's number nine, and my brother Johante's number 10. Gotcha. We were the three little guys, so we were always, you know, almost overcared for. So yeah, yeah. I tell you this, that lens, that microscope that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, what's a blessing it helped us to really you know there's so many things especially in youth that we can get caught up in not seeing things clearly brain hasn't fully developed yet decisions are not always the wisest so big family and the environment we grew up on an organic vegan farm in plymouth massachusetts so you know a lot of the stupid things i did you know broke a lot of bones burned myself quite a bit cut myself quite a bit but it was you know, cell phone, self crime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wasn't out there being a knucklehead with other folks, other than you know, with ten siblings, we always had a perfect five on five for everything. <laughs> so, no TV, didn't have TV. So yeah. we were. Now, this was you know pre internet, pre computer, pre social media. So you know, we ran all day long. We were active, playing, yeah. climbing trees, playing wholesome sports. fun. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've traveled all over the world with my dad. And some of the happiest folks I've ever seen had the least. And so, you know, they had food, mm-hmm. shelter, clothing. But I've seen folks kick cans around, literally, um, or balls of, of rags and have more joy than I've seen folks with $10,000 worth of toys in their bedroom. So it helped me to understand that joy is above, down, inside out. It's not things that we touch and play and have in our life. And having you know such a large loving family and then such a dynamic mother and father Uh it really helped us so now lord i mean probably not probably since i was eight years old now let me finish his statement i've been arrested so i had a very long rap sheet yeah but that was rap sheet that all of us gregory's had had traveling around south um and civil disobedience so i was I was eight years old with little zip tie handcuffs on. That wow. also too helped me to behave because yeah. I saw the ramifications if I went afoul. Um, and it also helped me because happening as an activist in the family of activists and under that protective kind of uh, umbrella of you know a father that was bigger than life. And even though we were being arrested, folks knew to be you know exceptionally gentle mm-hmm. with the Gregory children. Um, 100% not fair, but the reality on the ground, it it allowed me to calibrate things and leave and go down to environments where there were people who were very hostile towards me, mm-hmm. but would come back to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and many of those same. You know, the people that look just like that were my best friends and classmates and parents of my best friends. So it helped me to understand that it's a lot deeper than race. And as my dad would often say, 
you know, uh, uh, race is about attitude, not racism, mm. but race, race. is about mm. attitude and it's cultural um, and it's vibration. And it, mm. from a very young age, and as we see a lot of, and not to get ahead of your question in here, everybody, as we see a lot of the ills in the world today so mm -hmm. often defined along racial lines, um, it helps me to be able to calibrate it properly and understand the importance of positive energy. And my dad would always say, information is power. Good information is good power. Bad information is bad power. So now we have all of these platforms like we're connecting right now mm. where we can spread good information. And man, this is all digital. This is all gonna be on mainframe stored and in the cloud and the metaverse and spatial um, computing. Long after you and I are gone, the positivity of these messages will outlive us all. And so it's a true, you never know how far reaching something you do or say today will be tomorrow. And this is a, it's a true blessing to connect and discuss and be of service. Yes, sir. I, I like that answer. I like that. Now you touched on the activism part of your um of your dad's life, and I wanted to to kind of talk about that, start there a little bit because I noticed in the movie um he started off I think with, was with the Playboy Club, right? And I noticed in his material even early on he was already pushing the envelope, so it's like the activism part was already activated, but it just hadn't been put in the right setting yet. He was he performed. I think it was a club. I think full of Southerners. I think they had bought out, rented out the club that night. And Hugh Hefner didn't want to let him go on or, or reduce his time on. And he got up there and did his full. The very first thing I noticed when watching it, because I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't. The very first thing I noticed was his courage to get up there and present his message without a blink of an eye, and get up there and still take over the room in that time frame. Because now we think about it now. You know, it's, it's not as taboo. It's not taboo at all. That, that's what comedians do. They make people uncomfortable. They push the envelope or they redraw the line wherever it was set before. So they try to push that envelope. But where he etched that line at that time in history, to me, I, I was taken back. So just can you speak on his courage and how did that kind of run through the family and, and what y'all had to deal with during that time frame? Great point. Um, I want to point out that, and just over my back here, you can see the movie poster for the one and only Dick Gregory. So mm -hmm. that's the movie that we're discussing. It's the one of multiple films we're doing that mm -hmm. capture like my father's life story. The one and only Dick Gregory, Emmy nominated, available on Showtime platform, pretty much available now on all of the streamers. Mm -hmm. And so um, we encourage people to watch it and the for me, as one of the Gregory 10 children, one of the hardest things someone could ever ask us is, what does your father do? Because mm, he did so much, so there was much. no simple capsular response. And so now I can point people say, well, go check that out. Then we can talk about it on the backside. Yeah, so yeah. Doing, I mean, Joe, Joe Morton has a one man play, Turn Me Loose, based on my dad's life story produced by John Legend. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Hart has a, there's another project with, so this was done with Kevin Hart's heartbeat. Mm -hmm. We have another uh, two part documentary. The first part's primarily about Dick Gregory called Right to Offend that's available on any network. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, Kevin Hart also is in some degrees of pre-production in Dick Gregory biopic. And so there's, it's such a, my dad's life was so chock full of activity. 
um, um, of service, I should say, not just activity, but service, um, service for black folks, certainly, mm-hmm. and service for humanity. My dad was a vegan early on because he didn't want to be violent towards animals. So there's a, there's, it's difficult in a two hour, my dad had 16 books, 20 albums. And mm. so it's difficult to get all that into your standard kind of biopic and gotcha. so, or even documentaries. So yeah. what you saw, which was a lot, a lot. is really probably only about 20% of my dad's wow. life that's captured in that film. So wow. I'm excited. Many of these, um, uh, exceptional program I'm a producer on and I'm not excited because I'm a producer I'm excited because it's a high honor to be able to capture and tell my father's story mm-hmm. in a way that I know future generations will be impacted will serve them as well will be impacted and can understand that serving humanity and helping those with the least amongst us is profoundly important mm-hmm. and it does take a, to your point it does take a tremendous amount of courage and um my dad's courage um and i only know this for a fact because he's talked about it so freely mm-hmm. it really came from how he was raised i mean born in 1932 mm-hmm. that was literally the poorest year of the great depression mm-hmm. um uh, so we're dealing with the Great Depression. We're dealing with the Jim Crow laws of the South. Mm. Uh, white men or white a white person walking down the sidewalk. Black folks had to step to the sidewalk down. Mm. Um, and so we often, in talking to young folks, they think that that was so incredibly long ago. They don't realize that we're not that far removed from it, yes, and sir. we still have a tremendous amount of work to do. And I think sometimes we can look through all of the abundance we have today and not quite calibrate how hard what those activists and courageous leaders, even before they became to define themselves as an activist, what they were doing and how strong it was. To not step out of the sidewalk um, for a white person could be a death sentence or it could be a major courageous act that was that one little ripple that started to bring about change. So for my father and his courage, it really was more spiritual first for him. I mm-hmm. mean, it was, um, he literally was, you know, grew up starving. I mean, it, it, there's food insecurity, which means I don't know where my next meal will come from, or I don't know where my meals will come from next week. That's more psychological mm-hmm. and very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost a luxury item for someone who's starving. It's a, I don't need, I can't wait, I'm not even thinking about my next meal. I don't have this meal. This and meal, so, yes. Due to the fact that my dad was so, you know, chronically uh, uh, dealt with chronic hunger and was chronically skinny, back then in the, this would have been the 40s for black children in St. Louis, if they were skinny, they automatically assumed they had tuberculosis. So they sent them to schools for children who had disabilities. So most of my dad's middle um, school years were sent with children who you know couldn't see um um uh, were handicapped missing a limb um so it really it connected him on a spiritual level to say wait a minute here i am going home hungry but i can see i can hear i have all you know of sound body and mind so it really helped him to calibrate and not get caught up on what he didn't have uh-huh. which was profound yes and, yes us would have been caught up on it he explained it as he dealt with hunger so regularly that hunger became his best friend 
And by befriending hunger, it didn't make him uncomfortable. Fact. You got it. You there? Perfect. People didn't realize when he was later in life going on hunger strikes in the Vietnam War, people didn't realize how comfortable he was not eating. Um, food was always, food was something that was always an, an, an awkward engagement for my father. If, mm-hmm. people ever, if anyone's ever spent time at a dinner table with Dick Gregory, um, especially at various points in his life, um, you know, he would insist no food. He would take out 20 different capsules. He'd open his capsules up into water. He was creating elixirs and energy drinks and all of these things on his own mm-hmm. because he understood nutrition out of desperation because mm-hmm. he had to figure out a way, especially when he got a little older, became an athlete um, and became an outstanding runner. He had to figure out a way to compete with folks who were going and eating three full hot full meals every day mm-hmm. and how it could be, you know, malnourished basically and still compete on a higher level so that courage for him and i thought it was a long answer to your question but that courage from him it came young it came very young and uh he tells stories of his mother my grandmother lucille gregory um explaining to him that there was a a young people who would see him saw almost a star on his forehead that Mm -hmm. there was something that was unique and special. We say this about a lot of kids, but to go back and talk to a lot of my other family members and um, um, and hear them either say it now or say it recorded earlier in their lives um, and kind of co-sign that story and also say it was obvious at a very young age that, you know, Dick Gregory beat to a, you know, as they called him back there, Richard or Little Richard, uh-huh. beat to a different drum. And so he was one of the most courageous brothers I've ever met in my life. And that courage went through the full life cycle. A lot of people are courageous at one point, then they get a mortgage, they have a mortgage, they're married, they have to start. Mm-hmm. Some of that courage has to, and it's, and I don't judge that. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. But never, that was never, he made it very clear to my mother and to the my siblings that the civil rights movement came before her and came before us. Mm. And that's just how dying, uh, unyielding his undying devotion was um, to back then what they just simply called the movement. And that movement went on to revolutionize the world, quite honestly, when you go back and look at it with, you know, uh, 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 with with pure intentions and look at the totality of it, Mm. what the civil rights movement was able to do as a movement in a, it's really a a, it's a form of warfare, mm-hmm. uh, almost psychological warfare um, that people don't understand because it's counterintuitive. If someone hits you, the response is to immediately respond. And it's mm-hmm. easy to justify, oh, he's an animal, he's this, he's a horrible human being, if they can keep provoking you. When you can't provoke someone, and we're seeing we're seeing that now around the world on both micro and macro levels. And Very much so. uh, we have a long ways to go, but mm-hmm. to not acknowledge the progress that my dad saw in his lifetime yes, would be a disservice to how many of those did not survive it or they survived it 
with scars, psychological mm. and physical scars. So do we have a tremendous way to go? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we have to acknowledge how far we've come and acknowledge that sacrifice. Yes. And, and that was the second word I was going to use to describe your father, because see, a lot of like you say, I don't um, fault anybody now for, um, you know, once they get in a certain position, you know, some people have to protect brands and some people, you know, they have to protect an image that once they get out there to a certain level, depending on who's backing them or whatever. But the other word I was going to use to describe your father was sacrifice. I noticed in the documentary when he got to a certain level and was making so when uh, I think it was mega ever that called him down. And he when I say cut it cold turkey, didn't like you said, didn't think about mortgage. Then the only other athlete well, not athlete, but the only other person of his statue that I can think of that ought to made a sacrifice that big was like Muhammad Ali at the peak of his career and what he did and how he just, you know, walked away from boxing because he went to jail or whatever. But they put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and let you know this is truly I'm standing on something I truly believe in and I will not be shaken by anything else or deterred by anything else that's going on in this world, because this is a purpose that I truly believe in and I'm gonna move forward with this. It's 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 it was rare. It's not as rare today because mm -hmm. uh, you pointed this out because we're all individual brands now. And now you can make your brand. You can still, you know, and I don't do whether it's an actor, singer, rapper, professional athlete, or just a, you know, a doctor or a lawyer. You can straddle. You can because of social media and other things, you can you don't have to you don't have to sacrifice your livelihood in order to become an activist mm -hmm. back in the 60s. You know, Dick Gregory didn't have that. And so mm -hmm. um, in 1960, 61, 62, mm -hmm. um, you know, my father was the number one entertainer in the world, black or white. He was black the or highest white. Yeah. entertainer. And you're right. So it's good to see, Avery, you definitely took good notes and paid attention during the documentary. Megger Evers called. Mm -hmm. And Megger was a retired uh, 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 um, sergeant. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it was the Korean War. But the, he was used to motivating people and he was also fearless and that balance mm. um, and at that point in his life was around a lot of powerful folks, a lot of mm. wealthy folks, a lot of black folks and white folks who were doing well for themselves, living in Chicago. Um, but every time he turned on the TV or picked up a newspaper, he saw how horrible things were for folks down south. So when, when Megger called, he didn't bat an eye, but he did think he was just going to go down to prove he was committed <laughs> and come right back. back. Yeah. And the thing about a movement, if you've been around, I mean, there's all kind of movements in life. Um, they can draw you in. I mean, you know, that's a, you know, a blender. You don't turn it on. It's nothing. Once you turn it on, you get that movement. Everything gets drawn into that cylinder. Something and ignites so, you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that what he saw in Megger was a type of fearlessness, not recklessness, but fearlessness that he had never seen before mm. and it intrigued him. And Megger Evers was the model for the activist and soldier, because my dad considered himself a soldier mm -hmm. um, and soldier sacrifice. They sacrifice time with their, I don't need to tell you this, they sacrifice time with their family, they sacrifice their minds and bodies. And so that sacrifice you know, my dad was was 84 when he passed away mm -hmm. and he was still giving and, sac and sacrificing all the way up into the end. And he would have had it no other way. And so uh, um, I want to back up for a moment. because I realized 
we talked briefly about the Playboy Club, but back in the 60s, the Playboy Club was really the largest stage you that could ever it. step mm-hmm. into. For not just for a comedian, but any entertainer. Anybody, yeah. And so there were a lot of entertainers, there were a lot of black comedians um, that, you know, always that predated Dick Gregory for certain. They always wore large, ill-fitting clothing, exaggerated makeup, exaggerated facial expressions. No matter how intelligent they were, many of them were very intelligent, they had to dumb it down because the dumb Negro was the shtick. That's what people, that's what white folks came to that's see. That's what they was comfortable with. And that's what they were comfortable with because mm-hmm. it fit their stereotype. Mm-hmm. So for Dick Gregory, who was a topical comedian, um, flat-footed comedian, meaning he brought a stool out, sat on stage, put both feet firmly on the ground, well-dressed. Back then, cigarettes, pretty much everyone smoked. Mm-hmm. Cigarette in hand shot a whiskey in hand and just sought, sat and calmly talked to people very intelligently. Most of what he was discussing was from that day's paper and many of the people in the audience didn't even have the depth and understanding and knowledge of this black man sitting up on stage talking about very highbrow um, 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 topics that were going on around the world um, um, domestically and internationally. Mm. And, uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time wondering how other communities responded to Dick Gregory, but for this group of Southerners it, that were booked, the Southern Convention was booked at the Playboy Club that night, and mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner got word of it. He had called back, say, "Hey, don't let Dick Gregory go on the stage out of not out of racism, but oh my God, Dick Gregory's a friend. I don't want him to be want to go. Yeah. There. So um, he didn't know how deep. Dick Gregory's skill sets were and how prepared he was for that audience. And the story is legendary now, but he was he was a catalyst for the modern day black comic you see today. And for my lifetime, you name the comedian, um, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy, you name the comedian. All off the um, tree. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, all of them, um, Kevin Hart, um, would get down on their knee and kiss my dad's hand, shake it. Not out of some ego, kiss the ring, but no, just reverence. That you opened, you 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 busted that glass ceiling. You kicked open the door. You could have gone in and stayed in there and you know got comfortable, mm-hmm. but you never took your foot away from that door to keep it open for that pipeline of everyone else to keep coming through. And that pipeline really got open when. My dad left comedy in the six in 62, 63. It created a vacuum that brought up the Bill Cosby's of the world, the Richard Pryor's of the world. Both of them will will, will historically would quickly credit part of their success to Dick Gregory in his prime stepping out of the way the and promoter saying, wait a minute, you know, Dick Gregory's crazy. We got to find he's walking away from all of this money. We got to find someone that's using his same topical humor and Mm. intellect to bring in for these audiences that were hungry for it at that point. So that led up to the moment of the Megger Evers call. The Megger Evers call wound up to my dad being fully immersed in the civil rights movement. Dr. King's nonviolent aspect of it is what led my dad to be a vegan. And I can honestly say sitting and talking to you here now, my dad's 16 books, 
one of the top sellers is Cooking with Mother Nature. And the amount of black, brown, and white folks who approach me and say, my family started clean eating. My family started eating organic foods or farming our own food or became vegan or vegetarian was because of one of your father's lectures or one of your father's cookbooks is profound. And that type of impact and change, nutrition is the catalyst for everything that evolves with the human body. And so those changes since the 60s and 70s, I am certain of the fact in the long run, when we look back at this in hindsight, there will be a deeper impact from Dick Gregory's nutritional revolution and explaining to people the importance of taking care of their body, physical fitness, drinking water, eating whole foods, plant-based foods, all the things that are buzzwords now. Mm. Man, Avery, I can tell you, as a in the 70s being a vegan you weren't treated well man there were restaurants <laughs> that asked us to leave and yeah. so, so you went to a restaurant and asked for you know and basically all you got was just a plate of vegetables yeah. and so an occasional french fries so we rarely went out to eat because the reality is most folks didn't even understand what a vegan oh, was vegan. and now fast forward now you can't get away from it every restaurant five star mm-hmm. restaurants most of them have vegan options and now there's you got chicken that look like vegan that are all vegan so <laughs> yeah. and now i want to be very clear as a retired healthcare provider vegan is not synonymous with good for you so mm. it's important still do just i mean as a, a practitioner a disproportionate number of my vegan patients were obese and sickly so mm. if i'm vegan and you're not getting good, healthy protein, and all you're getting is carbs, mm. um, um, yeah, the math on that is not good. And mm. so um, my father had a, a great line that he used to tell that he was in New York City and he saw a brother with cocaine dust on his nose, heroin needle in his arm, and the brother said, hey, Brother Dick. And he said, hey, my brother. He said, can I offer you an apple? And the cat said, but wait, is it organic? And so sometimes we can play with this I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian, yeah. organic. On its own, it is not synonymous with a healthy lifestyle. Gotcha. So these are the things to aspire for. But a lot of my patients who were vegan and vegetarian, for whatever reason, metabolically, they had to go back and move away from some plant-based proteins. Mm. Back in the 70s, we thought soy was a great form of protein, only to later realize that it elevated estrogen levels on mm. men. And you know, it's it's constant. What we know is that clean food, real food, if you pick up a label, we, you shouldn't have to have a degree in chemistry in order to pronounce the words on the label. Mm. And so a lot of what my father was doing was educating folks just to do better. Just do better. But just to do better. And this is important part. Uh, my dad and I had a wonderful relationship. So obviously father and son. I was also one of his healthcare providers. We were business partners, best friends. So I had a relationship with dad, obviously. Mm-hmm. I had a relationship with Dick Gregory, the entertainer. And I had a relation with Richard Claxton Gregory, who was who Thanks. Dick Gregory was. Yeah. So, and any, so frequently um, when we were sitting in business environments, because we were business partners, I wouldn't say dad or pop because we're business partners and Mm. so uh, sometimes people will hear me interviewed and hear me talk about instead of saying my father or dad or say dick gregory and a third person it's because our relationship 
Um, it's multifaceted. Uh, it's layered. It's it, it, it multifaceted and and beautiful and 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 complex in a good complex and rich in a good way. Mm. And uh, uh, one of my first patient when I came out of chiropractic school was Stevie Wonder. Second patient was Cicely Tyson. Wow. And, you know, both of them are dear friends. And Cicely Tyson would always say to me once an adult twice a child and so as our parents go through that second childhood mm-hmm. it's profoundly important to recognize it and surround them with dignity and grace and understanding sometimes they need a little help in hand sometimes they don't mm-hmm. so that role reversal that my dad and i went through was such a beautiful thing not for a celebrity but for any parent and child mm-hmm. if we live long enough um we will most likely deal with some type of, with our grandparents and parents, some type of cognitive decline, physical decline, and literally the care they once gave us, we're now providing to them. And it really, my dad passed away in 2017 and people hear me talking so much about Dick Gregory and this and that, they think, oh, this brother's really still struggling with his father's death. And when we lose a parent, that's, you know, that goes on in perpetuity. There's no- No band-aid for that. But for me, I just want to be abundantly clear. My talking about it and protecting his legacy is just still being in awe of the sacrifice in the body of work. My mm. father had grown incredibly tired. I mean, he was ready to transition. And mm. it's a beautiful thing when someone who saw most of their peers, um, Megger Ebb, sadly, Megger mm-hmm. Ebb, Malcolm X, Dr. King, Fred Hampton, uh, and so many others whose names we can't kind of roll all um, died tragically and far too young through a white racist homicidal system that was just considered normal back then. Mm. So for my dad to be able to live to 84 years of age and mm. go out on his own terms. And I'll say this with age, there's chronological age that we talk about all the time. Mm. We don't talk enough about biological age. So mm. Dick Gregory was 84 chronologically biologically that brother was a good 110 years old there was a lot of miles on that mind body and so that soldier had put a lot of work in yes indeed and so part of his because i would never say 84 especially in this day and age mm-hmm. our generation many of us are living longer than that mm-hmm. but it's quality of life sometimes quality. we yes. get caught up in quantity and so the week we lost my dad he had 10 comedy shows set up that week so mm-hmm. he was still still you know, in, Part of the cognitive decline is why we had to pull him out of speaking at high schools and colleges. The language would sometimes- It's a little too raw. <laughs> pull on to comedy because yeah. said you can say whatever you want. Do and you. Even then, he was still in lecture mode. He was still yeah. in master teacher mode and leading by example. But mm-hmm. it's just the, the, the courage, which was your first point, the sacrifice. Those are the two, those two are the two things big that things stood that out. Always that 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 are synonymous with Dick Gregory, and I've always utilized to kind of tell his story. And it was one thing I want to kind of backtrack on um, that you mentioned earlier um, when he was doing um, early on when he was rising through his comedic ranks. When he was talking about, I don't mind, you know, like the sambos and the stuff like that. He say, you know, it, it's a place for that. But he say, get let me see the intelligent Negro. Let me see him as a as a news anchor. Balance it out. And I was uh, I brought that up to say because I wanted to put together a panel uh, called Musical Warfare because I feel like our hip hop culture. I'm big on music. I love music, but I feel like our hip hop culture has been hijacked, so to speak, to all they put out is the negative imagery, even for our young ladies. You got songs that's just 
leading them blindly and at seven eight they're doing dances and provocative things that it shouldn't even be in their mind at that point but that's all that is the image that's being pushed forward by the industry that's not by accident that's not by accident that's why i said i wanted to call that panel musical warfare because music is the quickest way to entice and enhance and just take over a brain and before you know it you're hypnotized powerful and it's the melody but it's also the repetition the repetition. everyone around our, everyone sings happy birthday never because we read it on a piece of paper but we grew up programmed something enough it's just exactly it's programming and it's important that machine is so big so the importance is to have counter programming and the beautiful thing about today is that there's options you know where we grew up man had two radio stations that you could have listened to now there's so much diversity mm-hmm. and now you have to go out and get it yeah you got find them. exactly so by design it's gonna by design them. and then also <clears throat> it's not enough just to insulate you also have to see and know what's up there so i have a lot of my patients and even some of my family members who well don't give their, you know, children, uh, you know, smartphones and computers and this. Well, you know, that's like sending them to compete in sports without sneakers these days. Like you have to have very talent. True. And so, very true. But and, 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 and especially nowadays. Especially now. Folks in our community say, "Oh, well, we want to teach kids to write code." Well, now code writes code. We can't. We can't always be running behind this technological revolution. We have to embrace it. Thanks. And. You know, the internet and these devices now, this is another door into our home. So we lock the front door, we lock the back door, we lock the garage, we lock the windows. Well, now we need to lock that too. So to allow your young children to have access to that untethered is like allowing them to walk in and out of the front door all night long with it open. So as parents, we have the responsibility to introduce things to them allow them to see it's like a training wheel on a training wheels on a bike mm. we have to provide that for, until they prove themselves that they can handle they can it's, handle it's it. an awesome responsibility man is a and and i'm not anti-technology i can remember growing up and again we had no no televisions in the home uh no microwaves but i go over friends homes whose parents had microwaves and you know a grandma would turn the microwave on and everyone had to get out of the kitchen they would clear mm. everyone now fast forward to 2024 grandma's they will have the microwave on where their forehead resting on it <laughs> while she's texting it's so and so the technology yeah. involved, but part of it talks about the human spirit and evolution that so many of these things that used to be toxic to us and i'm not saying that's healthy or good mm we've evolved and adapted to. And mm-hmm. so if you were to go down in someone's garage and find a, you know, you have a ant or a bug problem in your home and you get a can of Raid from 1970 and you spray it on those bugs, man, they lick the nozzle and thank you for it because the active ingredient in it is no longer active. No, yeah. so we have to understand so, yeah. so many times we say, oh, we want to do it because it was, and I saw that when 5G came out. Mm-hmm. They, well, 5G, the boogeyman five we have to be enlightened on what these things are and what it really is because we're scaring our children we're scaring our elders man if our elders don't become more digitally in tune they won't be able to order a pizza they won't be able to order a taxi cab i mean a a, a, a lift or a uber they won't be able to book a flight Nothing. they you, you will i mean as we're so we have augmented reality um, um, alternative reality. We have 
um, um, spatial computing, which with Apple's new visions is coming, a vision is coming out in January or February. Mm -hmm. Um, man, there's all these realms that soon you may have to go into, put on your spatial, um, reality, go in and get a mortgage on a home or to refinance. I mean, what the pandemic did is it taught grandparents and parents all over the world how to do what we're doing right now so they're John they're going to Johnny's birthday party right the through the right screen. so <laughs> yeah. we need to continue to embrace it you gotta have we're mammals uh, 605 muscles 202 bones so we have to move uh, but we also have to understand that and right now we're predicting within the next 10 years there'll be folks as young as 60 years old who are basically disabled and they're digitally disabled because they don't know the amount of times my dad would call me from the airport because he jumped into a rental car and it didn't have a transmission it had a button or twist mm. we it's it's imperative um uh in one more cicely tyson story cicely tyson was a master on her handheld device. She mm. could have 10 separate texting conversations going on <laughs> at the same time. And it was just beautiful for yeah. me to see, to see that. To see yeah. how important it is. And, you know, my dad never wanted a cell phone whatsoever. Um, but what happened is he realized as he was traveling all over the world, pay phones were disappearing. Got a so head. So he got a, he got a smartphone, which, you know, if we're honest, they're not that smart. This is the real smartphone mm-hmm. right here. This is just provides a digital load for us to download and store things, yep. doing our critical thinking for us. But it would it would anger my mom so much because he would keep it. He never would turn. He would turn it on, place a call, then turn it right back off. <laughs> well, that's all so like my dad. Battery out. He would have took the battery out. So it is. It's important that we understand technology. Yeah. We embrace not just you and I, but our our elders mm-hmm. and also our young folks that they have access to this because most jobs in the future are not going to be anything like the jobs as you know as a retired military man most of the warfare is not going to look anything like the warfare you saw not a in bit. Train. Exactly. so we have to because otherwise we get left behind and mm-hmm. it's so often you know you look at electric vehicles we're far behind we make fun of folks who are planning to go to mars and so um would i rather see the disproportionate m- amount of that money go towards helping the hungry there's far too many hungry folks in this country and abroad but i also understand earth is a spaceship it's a spaceship that was not always you know kind mm-hmm. and habitable by human beings at some point one wobble one rotation it may know we've seen the ice age mm-hmm. there may become a time where it no longer is 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 is, is sustains human life mm-hmm. and so to have a plant and colonies are like mold when mold grows in someone's basement we call that a colony mm-hmm. and the only way mold grows in your basement it stays in one basement and never moves it can't survive Mm -hmm. so it needs to get on your shoe and go to another home go to another moist environment so that mold colony can proliferate Mm -hmm. and once that happens you have stability in the dna the genetic matter that's in those mold spores Mm -hmm. which we may find someday is the answer to cancer or it's the answer to so that same the mistake we make is thinking that human beings humans Mm -hmm. are a master kind of species and we have more intelligence than everything else and all you have to do is go back to the tsunami that hit southeast asia and see that man domestic animals were leaving five days before it hit they had Mm -hmm. they were 
a lot of folks have elephants that are chained up there. They were ripping up their states and leaving. Birds were leaving. So what is it about us that we're sitting on the beach doing this? All the animals that are dumb. (laughs) They getting out of dodge. They're looking at us, looking at our little screens and saying, there's some true fools right there. For real. that we have that balance when i have um, 16 nieces and nephews countless godchildren whenever i'm with them i say okay right now if something came over our devices and said we need to head north or we need to head east what direction are you going and they're clueless unless yeah. they have their device yeah. they're clueless it's someday if the system goes down the infrastructure goes down we need to understand the full spectrum of survival exactly. and not be obsessed with it, but at least understand it so we can look out for each other if there ever is a glitch. And, um, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Mm. So um, you have a, so all that to what you're doing. Um, I love hearing what you're doing and what you're planning for the music panel. It's all educational, inspirational, and due to platforms like this mm-hmm. can be chopped up and sent to folks on. None of this is neighborhood by neighborhood. This is global. I mean, we're having the issues globally, different scales naturally. So um, kudos to you for doing that, Avery. And I think it's it's important and it's a and it will provide a tool for others. I appreciate that. I want to just tell before we move on, because I got about 15 minutes left and I want to really drill down on the uh, on the three energy drink and let you expand on that. But one of the quotes that your dad said that I, I see a lot of his traffic coming through the Internet, but I like the quote about when the universe picks you and you put those glasses on, once you see things, how it's supposed to be seen, you can't take them off. So I just wanted to tell you that that's one of my favorite things that I've heard him say that I I think about. You can't take them off, but it's also not your responsibility to try to force everyone to put them on because they're not for everyone. And in our community and, you know, my whole life, wherever I've been, uh, I mean, I practice in Washington, D.C., what they call Chocolate City. So it's a, there's always been a deep level of gratitude and understanding and appreciation uniquely for our community. Um, education and power and information sometimes can become weaponized, it becomes something we compete with. Well, I know this, and you don't, and because you don't know this, you know, my brother, you are not understanding. And it's, it's not for, and my dad read, you know, it's simple to say, lead a horse to water, can't force it to drink. Well, the horse may realize the water's bad. Um, so we can't beat the horse down and call it stupid because it may realize something, hence the animals we were just discussing at the tsunami. That animal instinct. My dad would always say, you can, to tell someone something once, mm-hmm. you're doing them a service. To tell them more than once, you're doing them a disservice. And the example is, if I see someone smoking and I say, Hey, my brother, you know, smoking's bad for you. You shouldn't smoke. It does this to your lungs. It does this to I'm a service. I see them. If every time I say them, I say it again. Now I'm offending them because I'm assuming they're not intelligent enough to understand what I said the first time. And now I took which was something that was constructive. And now I'm being disrespectful with it. We can be disrespectful with information. Um, It's not for everyone. And there's things these folks know that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so... Well, and that's why I love seeing, the, you know, there's so many links of, I mean, I turn on YouTube trying to figure out what am I going to watch and 20 Dick Gregory videos pop up. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's algorithms. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, those of us who are watching it, we get more of it. Mm-hmm. But it's just beautiful to know that it's all out there. And I, man, I can't, I wouldn't even, 
I mean, hundreds of hours of archival footage do we have of my dad, hundreds of hours. And uh, I mean, it's endless. You could spend damn near the rest of your life going through it. Mm -hmm. There's so much. Um, because all of the colleges and universities, they were all recording it on beta recorders, VHS. And so almost monthly, I get another batch of things that come in. And it just, the beauty of it is, in my dad's 84 years of life, about 60 plus of those years, pretty much since he was 17 or 18, mm -hmm. he had a camera in his face and was advocating. And he was really saying the same thing. Um, his message grew and evolved, but it was still rooted in to the core. love mm -hmm. for each other, humanity, um, being being loving and lovable. He mm -hmm. said, how is Super Bowl Sunday? There's more domestic violence incidents in America than any other day. Um, the same people who love you can love you to life or love you to death. Yeah. Not all love is appreciated love. And it's not enough, do you love me? You know, are you lovable? Mm -hmm. And so... That, you know, someone can kick a dog and say they love it as they're doing it. Um, your behavior has to be lovable, um, which is equally as important of you. And some would say more so important than you loving something. Yeah. And so my dad would always say, you know, sometimes we get it backwards. We call our woman strong and our truck beautiful. Mm. He said, no, your truck is strong. Your woman is beautiful. Exactly. And just the importance of understanding the softness of humanity, the understanding and the wisdom, and just sharing that and lifting every, we can't all be on the same level, but in a nation full of abundance, um, folks should not have to wonder shouldn't where their next The disparity shouldn't be that far off. Should It should not be that far off. And so I like to believe that, you know, humanity is working on things. I know for our part, uh, you mentioned 3E a moment ago, mm -hmm. a lot of what we're doing, you know, my dad had his, this is a small original can of the Dick Gregory Bahamian diet. So my okay. dad had his weight loss formula out mm -hmm. in the 80s. And basically it was based on nutrient density and increased bioavailability. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when we consume things, the point of consuming food is to get nutrients into the cells. And so if something has increased bioavailability, it means it gets a little easier. Typically it's alkaline and gets it moves a little easier through the cell membrane and gets into the cell. Food's not for our stomach. That's just where it sits to get broke down and then sit out through our vascular system to get to every single cell in the body and nourish it. And so um, with what we're doing with 3E, um, which is all through Texas. We're like mm -hmm. the number two selling energy drink in the uh, um, HEB central market stores. And uh, it's an energy elixir that is nutrient dense mm -hmm. with increased bioavailability and all natural. And so right now, wave one of energy drinks was Red Bull and Monster. They use synthetic caffeine and they use sugar. They typically use some form of real sugar because mm -hmm. uh, sugar provides energy it to burst. the body. Mm -hmm. um, so wave two, which most folks are consuming now, use synthetic energy, uh, synthetic caffeine and they're sugar free. Mm -hmm. And sugar free is the biggest gimmick that has ever been, per, well, one of the biggest that's ever nutritional gimmicks for certain mm -hmm. that have been perpetuated um, 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 and, and it continues to be perpetuated, but it has ever been played because we should feel played by it on society during this whole zero calorie, sugar-free um, movement, we've seen obesity and diabetes just mushroom out of control. Yep. So folks are thinking, well, I'm drinking my Coke Zero, I'm drinking this. 
you know, sugar, especially if we're talking about organic sugar cane, um, um, even maple syrup, but most were like blackstrap molasses. Some of these are damn near superfoods. They have so many nutrients in it. Exactly. So we should reduce the amount of sugar for certain because mm-hmm. we get it too many places. Other folks in other societies, not the case, but for in America, we get too much sugar. And so we should limit the amount of sugar, but all sugar and all calories are certainly not created equal. So I'm um, post practice i'm having the time of my life educating folks into you know real calories what's good for the body and a whole calorie and whole foods real calories needs to be able to nourish the body Uh but it also still needs to be enough nutrients intact that when it gets down into the gut it can also nourish our microbiome so when we're eating we're almost eating for two we're eating Uh for our body and our microbiome and our microbiome is really our second brain so Uh that brain gut connection we're learning so much and it's not new it's just that We've been lied to. Someone yeah. has convinced us through slick Madison Avenue campaigns that we should run away from certain things. They did it. Same thing with eggs. They did the same thing with butter. They did this. Go away. Real is always better. Milk, everything is always the yeah. better. So, and if you can get it, someone if you're someone that drinks milk, finding a local milk source mm-hmm. is going to be better for milk that's been pasteurized, homogenized, and shipped all over the world. So, we we. We have to put some effort into it. Most of us put more effort into buying a new car and buying a home than we do to bring in a life into the world. And also it's important to understand biochemical individuality. What's perfect for one person, one person's medicine is another person's poison. So just because a particular um, diet or regimen worked for us, we can't say, oh, that should work for you too. That's the mistake with modern medicine. And that's why you see so many practitioners shifting over MDs and DOs and chiropractors and nutritionists switching over to functional medicine, which is biochemical individuality. If 10 people have a cold, well, we shouldn't assume all 10 of them need the same reason and they all caught it for the same um, um, deficiencies. So it looks at each of us as an individual. And, you know, we're coming off a vaccine heavy time. And a lot of people say, well, what would Dick Gregory do about the vaccine? I said, well, you clearly don't know Dick Gregory if you didn't have to ask me that question. (laughs) But the second thing is you can be anti this or a particular vaccine and not be anti-vaccine. But the problem, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I was an anti-particular vaccines, but there were people I would have gladly driven to go get vaccinated because they were eating the vaccine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the fast food area. I'm saying, you're eating everything that's in that vaccine you're consuming because the the cheap meat you're eating has been vaccinated with that tenfold. So, yeah. so you have to remove the politics of it and look at you know our health if me and you are together and a rabid raccoon comes in and bites both of us yeah i want to go get a rabies shot because mm-hmm. i understand that math and that science um and i understand that doesn't typically play out well so um it's important because when we make things about politics we miss it's complicated and we belittle it and we dumb it down and unfortunately it's folks in our community a lot of folks in our community that didn't survive it because they had pre-existing ailments and suddenly you know again that's the brother dick is it organic that's Mm -hmm. the you've 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 put garbage in the whole time but now because of this you want to try to wing it when my dad was diagnosed with cancer he decided uh, I'd say we decided because we did it as a team um, not to do chemotherapy or not to do 
radiation therapy. Um, uh, we did some other new non-traditional things. Uh, long story, but he survived it. He was in remission for the rest of his life, mm -hmm. um, some 25 plus years. But uh, that was the only time I asked my dad not to do something. Literally oh. one time in my whole life, I said, Pop, when we go on these radio shows, if people hear Dick Gregory saying, I, you know, I'm anti-chemotherapy, I'm anti-radiation, then they're going to walk away from the treatment. Most of them are going to die because oh, they're yeah. not doing, they they're haven't not living this, yeah. starved the cancer cells in their body. They're not doing all of the things that you're doing. And people take away the top line things and don't want to do the work. Well, no more chemo. Well, there's a trade-off. It's not one, you know, it's not just don't do one, it's you don't do one because you're doing the other. And so the same would apply this pandemic has impacted our community greater than others. And I think it's profoundly important. Um, there'll be more, mm -hmm. uh, just the nature where we are as a society. We're encroaching animals, natural habitats more. Um, too many folks playing around in labs. They're with, it's not a matter of if, it's when. And that's not the time you want to get healthy. Now, the best defense is a great offense. offense. Now time you want to start taking care of your body and understanding how these things work so you can it's hard to have informed consent when you're not informed on something so um exactly. and lastly i'll say this avery in the heat of the pandemic people were told run out and get vaccinated and you know there were three different choices out there you'd go to your doctor and say well which one i should take any of them that's not good medicine. You have to, there are three different things. Like if I'm putting you on anti-cholesterol medication, I got to go through my due diligence and see which is the best one for you. If you're dying from thirst, yeah, you and I, I would both drink a glass of Flint water. It wouldn't be my first <laughs> choice. You know, it's not going to be any choice, but if it's that or dying, so we have to, we have to be clear with folks. Yeah. We have, part of that comes from not expecting others to do it for us, but to tap into this, world of information and it's going to be hard to filter it because a lot of information a lot of misinformation but don't wait until the don't wait till the fire alarm goes off to you try to figure out where the fire route and fire escape is so we exactly. got to do better and with platforms like this and shows like what you're doing we are certainly doing that i appreciate that look we got about three minutes i want you to tell them where they can find everything dr christian gregory Dr. Griffin, just real quick plug and I'll, I'll wrap it up. I mean, if, if, you tag, if you tag my IG page and website, gotcha. but there's so much going on right now, but the uh, um, 3eenergy.com, um, there's a lot of more. We're not just an energy drink company. We're a clean fuel company. So there's a snack line. There's nutritional biscuit line. There's all kind of, there's, there's a whole new farming movement. We have partners. We're doing acquisitions. This is something... You know, pay attention because in the next six months or so, um, uh, we're going to be much bigger than Texas. But yeah. Texas is our roots. That's our launch pad. So we're not going to abandon you. But there's a lot of exciting things. So we say, you know, stay tuned. In the stay meantime, tuned. you know, drink your water, eat your vegetables, clean food, whole food. Take good care of your mind, body and soul. And let's look out for each other. Hey, I appreciate your time. And you guys know how I end this. Always visualize your goals. And after that, accomplish those visualized goals. Got to get you back on. We got a lot of meat on the ball. Got to get back with you. <laughs> hey, look, thank you so much, Avery. T stay strong and tell the family I say hello. Tell Foster I say hello as well. Yes, sir. Shout out to Foster for making this happen, putting this together. I appreciate your time. Good brother. I'll be in touch. <laughs> Take good care. Peace, brother. Yes, sir. You too.